Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast that seeks to recover authentic Christianity and live it out today. What is the gospel? No, I'm not talking about the biographies of Jesus or catchy music. I mean, what is the message of salvation that Jesus commissioned us to preach? Pastor Victor Glucken of Living Faith Christian Church in Rhode Island masterfully explains what the gospel is and does. The gospel is not good advice, but good news that something has changed, is changing, and will change. The gospel is that Christ died, Christ rose, and Christ is coming again. Although most gospel presentations today only focus on the first component, Gluckin is careful to present a full gospel with all three critical elements, the cross, the resurrection, and the kingdom. Here now is episode 452, What is the Gospel We Preach? with Victor Gluckin. This morning we are going to talk about the gospel we preach, and so this morning I've got some good news for you. Before we get to Acts chapter 4, we're going to look at uh, up on the wall here. This is the first usage of the phrase good news in the entire Bible. And it'll give us some uh, help in understanding what this idea of good news is. This is from 1 Samuel 31. Saul, the king of Israel, has just died. And it says that thus Saul died with his three sons, his armor bearer and all his men on that day together. They were in a war and a battle against the Philistines. When the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley with those who were beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the cities and fled. And then the Philistines came and lived in them. And it came about on the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head and stripped off his weapons, and sent them throughout the land of the Philistines to do what? To carry the good news, to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to their people. And so the first time the word good news is used in your English Bible is when Saul dies. That's not good news for the people of Israel, but it was good news for the Philistines. And so they went out with his head and his armor and said, hey, our enemy has been defeated. We are victorious. This is an announcement of good news. So good news, we learn, is a report of something that has happened. Good news is a report of something that has happened. One of the first usages in the New Testament is Luke chapter 1, verse 11 will start. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Zacharias said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Good question. Verse 9, the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to you to speak to you and bring to you this what? This good news. 
So we learn here that Zacharias and Elizabeth are going to have a baby. And so in this case, good news is not something that has happened, but good news is a report about something that was going to happen. So good news is, is a report about something that has happened, also a report about something that is going to happen. And there's a third thing we can learn from one of the early uses of this phrase, good news. In Luke chapter 2, it's never too early for your Christmas shopping or the Christmas story. Here we go. But the angel said to the shepherds, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you what? I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here the good news is about something, not that has happened or is going to happen, but something that is happening now. Good news is a report of something that has happened, something that will happen, or something that is happening right now. And that is where we'll begin as we look at this gospel we preach. The gospel that we preach is news. And it's good news about something that has happened, something that will happen, and something that is beginning to happen right now. We've got good news this morning. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor we've got good news this morning. And we find ourselves in Acts chapter 4. This is one of my favorite records. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John had just healed a lame man and started to preach the gospel. Acts chapter 4 verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and they put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message did what? They believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And so I hope you know this story. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal a lame man that is seated at the temple gate in Jerusalem. He starts walking and leaping and praising God. And oftentimes in the book of Acts, what you see is that there's a miracle that draws a crowd so they can hear a message. The miracle is not the end of it of the story. It's to get to the message, the good news. And so this man Stands up, he walks, he leaps, he praises God, and Peter and John get an audience to speak the message to a crowd. We learn here that 5,000 people, come on, five, that we're like, oh my gosh, one person might come to church. <laughs> 5,000 people believe the message, they believe the gospel that was being preached, and we find out that as a result, the religious leaders reeling from what has just happened in the Christian community arrest Peter and John. But if you notice from this last verse, it says that many who had heard the message believed and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Peter and John are preaching and teaching the resurrection of Jesus and people heard a message. They didn't just experience the miracle. They didn't just have a good emotional response. They responded to a message. The gospel is news. It's not just a feeling. It's not just emotion. It's not the whole Bible. It's not just like a really good style of music. That's not it. It's a message about something that has happened, something that will happen, and something that is happening right now. And because of this message, Peter and John get arrested. Let's see what happens next. Verse 5. 
On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. And so when Peter is asked this question, he takes the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Jesus, who had died, who had rose again, who is coming again, and who is working now through the power of his name. That is the message they spoke. And you know where they're standing? They're standing in the place of Caiaphas and Annas. Peter, who just a few weeks ago was in a similar place with Jesus in that spot, in the same room, and he ran away for fear. And now he is there boldly proclaiming this message. He says, verse 11, this, He, Jesus, is a stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven. There's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. I love that. When they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So, that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. What name was that, friends? Jesus. Jesus. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's like a really lame strategy. They just healed a man. They're sitting in prison overnight. They're not afraid. They're not worried. And you know what? The chief priests get together and go, I've got a great idea. Let's tell them. Make sure we have our really serious outfits and serious faces on when we tell them, don't talk about Jesus anymore. And then one of the other Sadducees and leaders goes, yeah, that's a great idea. But like growl a little bit when you say, don't speak. (laughs) Let's see how it goes. Verse 19. When Peter and John answered them and said, (laughs) no, that's not what they said. Peter and John said, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so the gospel that Peter and John were preaching was a message about something that had happened, something that will happen and something that was happening now. And they could not stop speaking about what they had seen and heard, not just what they felt. They were not just talking about how they felt. 
They were not just talking about an emotional experience or some really great thing that happened to them. They are talking about what they have seen and heard, and they spoke a message that corresponded to what they had seen and heard. This message is what the scriptures call the gospel, good news. They were speaking what they had seen and heard, and when it came out, it was this good news, this good message which we could summarize this morning like this. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ rose. Jesus Christ will return. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ rose. Jesus Christ will return again. I wonder if you could say that with me. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ rose. Jesus Christ will return again. Now, before you throw a stone my way, you might be thinking, but Pastor Victor, we have learned a lot over the years that the gospel is much more than what you just said. It's it's the gospel about the kingdom. It's the gospel about what God's going to do in the end. It's, It's the gospel of don't just like say a prayer once. But like, follow Jesus. You're confessing him as your Lord and Savior. And if, and, and if you confess him as your Lord and Savior, guess what? Lord means you do what he says. What about all that? Right? What about what's going to happen in the end times? You didn't say anything about the Holy Spirit just there. Do you not believe in the Holy Spirit anymore, Pastor Victor? What's going on with you? Some voices are easy to pick out, Hugh, so be careful. (laughs) And here's what I want to say. All of those things are true. And if you and I spent some time together, we could unpack that all the things that I just mentioned and more can fit into this package of Jesus Christ died. We talk about Jesus Christ died. We get into a lot of things about the cross, about sin, about judgment. That's all in there. We talk about Jesus Christ rose. We're talking about life after death. We're talking about the defeat of evil and the devil and sin. We're talking about Jesus Christ being recognized as the Messiah. Notice I didn't just say Jesus. I said Jesus Christ. He's the king of the kingdom. When I say Christ, that's what I think. That's what I mean. And I said Jesus Christ is coming again. And that's the kingdom of God. That's judgment. That's justice. That's the end of all that's wrong with this world. It's all in there. But friends, I think we may have complicated things in our desire and our journey to understand all of those things are all true and they're all in there. But a simple form of of this gospel message that that we see the apostles preaching and, and I'm sharing with you this morning is that Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and Jesus Christ will return. And it will take Time and conversation and study and prayer and investigation to unpack the full message of this gospel. But let's keep it simple, saints. I struggled when my dear friend, Pastor Sean, emailed me and said, we'd like you to share what the gospel is. And you have 45 minutes and you need to wear a tie. And I just got so, I just got overwhelmed. It's like, 
Because there's a lot to explain. There's a lot to share. This message, this news of what has happened, about what will happen and what is happening now, it's big. But I think sometimes maybe we make it too big all at once. And so you and I, when it push comes to shove, we don't know what to say to somebody. And so as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, you and I need to spend the rest of our lives mastering this message. You and I need to spend the rest of our lives digging in deep, letting this gospel dig into the deep places of our soul so that we can explain and be ready in season, out of season. But friends, it's never less than Jesus died, Jesus rose, and Jesus will come again. That is a message, that is news that needs to be shared. The Christian gospel is news to hear, understand, and believe. And when that happens, a life is transformed. So I want to share with you a quote from scholar and teacher N.T. Wright. This is from his book, Simply Good News, Why the Gospel is News and What Makes It Good. And he says this, In many churches, the good news has subtly changed into good advice. Here's how to live, they say. Here's how to pray. Here are the techniques for helping you become a better Christian, a better person, a better wife or husband. And in particular, here's how to make sure that you're on the right track for what happens after death. Take this advice, say this prayer, and you'll be saved and you won't go to hell. Here's how to do it. That's advice, not news. The whole point of advice is to make you do something to get a desired result. Now, there's nothing wrong with advice. We all need it. But advice isn't the same thing as news. News is an announcement that something significant has happened. And the good news is what Jesus and his first followers were all about. Many people today assume that Christianity is one or more of these things, a religion, a moral system, a philosophy. In other words, they assume that Christianity is about advice. But it wasn't, and it isn't. Christianity is simply good news. It is the news that something has happened, as a result of which the world is a different place. Now, I know in the world we live in today, we have a lot of options for news. But back in the olden days, when I was growing up, My parents would turn on the news and there'd be one person that was familiar, not 24 hours, and at 6.30 at night, they would say, good evening, this is Dan Rather with the CBS Evening News. Or good evening, this is Tom Brokaw with the NBC Nightly News. Or good evening, this is Peter Jennings with the ABC Nightly News. And when it was over, that was it. And maybe you read newspapers. But the news back then, and truly what news is now, is someone that is reporting to you what has happened, or what will happen, or what is happening now. That's what the news is. So imagine the TV coming on, and there's Dan Rather, and he says, good evening. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ died has risen. Jesus Christ is coming again. Your TV dinner spills over when you hear that kind of 
kind of news. The TV tray just falls to the side, right? But think about that. Think about just the announcement of that news, what it would do and mean for the people listening to it. Now, there are different degrees of how much extra explanation are needed based on the audience, right? You just see the headline and and you need more explanation. But friends, the gospel at its simplest form is news and it's good news. Jesus Christ has died. Jesus Christ has risen. Jesus Christ will return. And your audience and mine is going to need more or less help in understanding the lead story. But that's the lead story. News reports have eyewitnesses who give testimony to what they have seen, heard and experienced. That's what reporters are supposed to do. They tell you themselves or they get eyewitnesses who can give testimony to what they have seen, heard, and experienced. That's what reporters and announcers do. And that's very different than an advertiser. An advertiser gives you opinions about things you might like to try. The Apostle Paul and the other early Christians, they did not share the good news like an advertisement. They did not preach in a way where people might respond, hmm, that's interesting, I might try that sometime. That's not what he preached. He did not preach, hey, your life could improve. Or, hey, your life could improve after you die. That's not what he did. That's an advertisement. The gospel is an announcement. We are announcers, not advertisers. We are announcers, not advertisers. And as I thought about this, I kind of felt the pressure off a little bit. Because if our responsibility as disciples of Jesus is to announce the news, that's a lot simpler than being an advertiser trying to sell someone a product. Has anyone ever been in sales before? Has anyone been in commissioned sales before? Has anyone ever been in telemarketing before? Wow, okay, right? Those of you that are salespeople know that your livelihood is dependent on making that sale. And so whether it's like the new and improved knife, (laughs) Tupperware, cell phone, whatever, it's your job to be an advertiser to sell it. That's not Christianity. We're not salespeople. We're not meeting with people just to make a sale. We're not spending time with people just to get them to buy what we're selling. That's not the gospel. Now, we might share with them how the gospel has impacted our lives. And in that way, we do share and promote it. But that's not the gospel. We are announcing something that has affected our lives We're not selling a feeling or experience. We are telling people facts that Jesus Christ has died. He's risen and he's coming again. N.T. Wright says this. He says, Paul wasn't like someone offering people a new type of flashlight so they could see better in the dark. He was like someone saying that the sun had risen And if they would only open the curtains, you'd see that you don't need flashlights anymore. Wow, what a concept that that's the gospel. 
We're not telling people, hey, the world's really dark and this flashlight will help you get through. No, we're telling them that the sun's out behind those curtains, that their house might be full of darkness and they don't need the product we're selling. They need to open up and realize that the world is different because Jesus died. He rose and he's coming again. It's, it's not a flashlight. It's the sun. It's the glory of God being revealed throughout all the earth and in your life. And you're just telling people, hey, if you open your windows, you're going to see what's already happened. You're an announcer, not an advertiser, church. And the gospel is this message. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is Paul speaking about his ministry to preach the gospel. And he says in verse 7, a verse I know we love. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, he's speaking to you and I. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the report of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. But join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the what? Through the gospel. We see verse 10 there. He says that now it has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death. Christ died and brought to life. Christ has been raised and immortality. Christ is coming again. With the gospel, now that light has spread through the world. Christ has abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's not a flashlight. It's the sunrise. And then Paul says this. He says, for I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. I was appointed for this gospel to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. That word preacher is the Greek word that means a herald. A herald. Say herald. Right? Not herald. Herald. And so when you see the word preacher, you might think like, man, I, I don't think I could stand up and like do a sermon or, you know, Dr. Joe just rattled off those stories off the top of his head. And, you know, that's a preacher. No, what Paul is saying is that he was commissioned to be a herald. And let me tell you what a herald is. A herald is this. An official crier or messenger. One that conveys news or proclaims. An announcer. That's what a herald is, is someone that tells people the news. And if you know the news, if you know what has happened, if you know what will happen, if you know what's happening now, you can be an announcer of that to the people that you're around. And those are the secondary definitions of a herald. Let me show you the first definition. An officer with the status of an ambassador acting as an official messenger between leaders, especially in a war. The herald is the one that goes after the battle has been won and tells the people, the battle's over. We won. They lost. 
The herald doesn't have to make up the story. The herald doesn't have to know all the details of the story. The herald just comes from the battlefield on behalf of the king and tells the people who were afraid in the village, it's all right now. Victory has been won. What do you mean? Let me tell you what happened on the battlefield. That's what a herald is. That's what Paul was. That's what we are. We are heralds. We are announcers of this great news. And when the herald announces the good news, people respond. How does the, how does the village respond when the herald comes in and, and goes, we won, everybody? Yeah. Right? When the herald comes in that old dusty western town and says, the new sheriff's on the way and bad Bart's on the run, you know, all the women faint, you know, and they're all excited and we go, woo! Because the announcement of good news generates a response in the heart of those who hear it. Just the announcement itself. Now, some people might be more skilled at making the announcement, but the announcement itself creates something in the person's heart. Some of you know uh, that our church in Rhode Island uh, has been going through a a journey, a a trial. Uh, One of the children in our church, Scotland, who's 10 years old, was diagnosed with leukemia. And uh, she was sick for many weeks in pain. The last time she came into church uh, before she was hospitalized, her father carried her in uh, in his arms. She's 10 years old, my daughter Esther's close friend. A great girl, really spunky. And she was in pain for weeks, and so they thought it might be this, it might be that, it might be arthritis, it might be this. And so finally they went to the hospital because the pain was too much. And on Saturday, January 16th at 9.38 p.m., my wife and I received a Facebook message from her mother that said, it's leukemia. It's leukemia. I didn't sleep that night. Just thinking about what the family's going through. During COVID, people aren't allowed to go in the hospital. Her mother was not allowed to go to the hospital with her. Because she has a baby, a newborn baby that she was nursing. She could not go into the hospital with the baby. And so her father is in the hospital texting and calling the news that their nine-year-old has leukemia. And their hearts sank and they were overwhelmed and and all of us were. And so what began over the next uh, month was very serious and intense treatment to try to identify what kind of leukemia it was. Because if it was a certain type of leukemia, a certain type of cancer... This very intense but less uh, damaging treatment could be used and maybe she could be in remission. And when you're in remission, it means that the cancer is not present in your body. You still have to go through treatment and all the rest, but that the treatment worked. And so we waited for weeks and days, and I'm not even a member of their family. And I was just like, we're praying, we're, we're worried, we're anxious, we're hopeful, we're trusting God. We're just, our hearts are with this family. And so they're supposed to get the call on a Tuesday about whether or not the treatment worked. And they got no call on Tuesday. And this isn't one of those like, oh, no news is good news. You want to know what happened. And then Wednesday goes by, they're not sure yet. Then Thursday goes by and and they don't know. They don't know if the treatment worked. So that was January 16th at 9.38 when I got that text. And on Friday, February 26th at 6.50, I got this message. This is from her mom. We just got the call. She did it. God did it. She's in remission. The treatment worked. 
And so I get this text on my phone. My wife gets this text on her phone. We're downstairs in our family room watching a movie. And all of a sudden, we just go, ah! ah! And I start crying man tears, people. I mean, my eyes are just welling up because this little 10-year-old who had leukemia is in remission, that the treatment worked. And then we tell our kids, and our kids go, what? What? She's in remission? Oh, my gosh. And they all start screaming and dancing, and we just feel relief. And, and without any thought, we all got in our car at 7 o'clock at night, and we drove to their house. We, <laughs> we all got in the car. Like, we're not even supposed to, like, be near her because of germs and COVID and all the rest. But we, ha- we had to get in our van, we drove to their house, and we got out of the car, and we just spontaneously broke out. I see the evidence of your goodness. And they, they're, out, they're looking out the window, and they hear people singing all over my... They hear us singing. They open the windows. Everyone's crying. Everyone's celebrating. Scotland's there. She's rejoicing. We're all there just celebrating this good news. And you know what? I didn't even think about this. But we were watching a movie with a neighbor kid. (laughs) And so he just happened to be in the van with us. He was he was already with us in our lives. This kid is I can't not much I can say about him publicly. He's trouble. He's he's a he's a tough one. But he doesn't have a mom. His grandma's raising him. His dad is challenged, and he spends a lot of time at our house. And so when we got this news, he just came in the van with us. And along the way, we, like, texted his dad, hey, Elijah's with us for a little while. And while we're driving there, he's like, what's going on? And we got to tell him the story of something that was really bad, but something that God did to turn it around and make it great. And you know what? Nobody had to tell me to start crying. Nobody had to tell me to jump up and down for joy. Nobody had to tell me to go woohoo. Nobody had to tell me it wasn't a pre-planned thing to get in the car and then get outside of their house and start praising God. Nobody told me when you hear good news, make sure you bring somebody who doesn't know this news along with you for the ride to see the testimony. Nobody had to tell me that. You know why I did that? You know what happened? Because when you hear good news and it hits your heart, joy comes. Excitement comes. Gratitude comes. Thanksgiving comes. You want to bring someone along with you and say, hey, get in the car, whatever, get in the car. We're going. And then you start praising God. No one had to tell me to do that. That's how we're wired, that when we hear good news, our hearts get touched and we get changed. I know you know what it's like to hear good news, and we're living in a world that needs to hear some good news. Months and weeks of hearing that she might not make it, then to hear that she's in remission. Oh, our hearts were filled with joy. Here's a picture of her. We weren't even supposed to be near her. I just had to get kind of close. <laughs> Those are all the kids that saw God at work through this story. It was a spontaneous, unplanned reaction to good news. And so, friends, what does it mean to preach good news? And that's dirty word I'm going to say, evangelize. It means that we are announcers of the news. We announce the news. We tell the good news. We tell people at once or over weeks or over months or over years that Jesus Christ died. That Jesus Christ rose And that Jesus is coming again. 
And as Sean and Ruth shared with us yesterday, just announcing that doesn't mean we just become robots and we just meet people and say, Jesus died. (laughs) Jesus rose. (laughs) We're not robots. We don't announce this good news without feeling. Oh, Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus will return. We don't announce this, this news angrily. Right? We don't do, you're headed for hell, you feel, we don't do that. We, and, and, and we're not hesitant with this news. Hey, uh, could we talk for a minute? I just wanted to, you know what, never mind. Because those are not compelling announcements of this great news that we've heard. That's not a compelling announcement. You know what a compelling announcement is? You want to know what a compelling announcement of the good news really is? You. You, you're the compelling announcement. Your words, your life, your table, your car, you sharing food, your patience, your wisdom, your listening ear, your time, your service, your sacrifice, your heart. You are the compelling announcement of the good news. You are. You're the compelling announcement. You are the exact announcer that the Lord wants and needs. Your life, your words, your words and your deeds combined in in your world is the compelling announcement that the people on your street need. God put you there for such a time as this. You're the perfect person for the job. And you don't have to figure out how to sell it or slip it in around the corner. You just announce the news. You announce the news. You talk freely about the good news that you have heard. It doesn't, it's not hard for me to talk about the fact that Scotland Winfield is in remission. I love telling that story because it's real news that has affected my world and my life. And as a Christian, the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins The fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead for your redemption and the fact that your Lord and Savior is not far away and distant, but active and working and will come again on this earth. Church, we have a message to announce to the world and you're just the man and the woman for the job. You are. You are. You are the compelling announcement. Let's close in Acts chapter 10. The final point I want to make with you this morning is that something amazing happens when the gospel is announced. And when that announcement is united with love and power, what is amazing is it, it, it doesn't make sense that this is the way it works. But when you announce the gospel, people understand it and believe it. You don't know exactly when it might happen. You know exactly how it's going to happen or to who it's going to happen. But there's just this something. There's something about the fact when the gospel is announced that people's hearts are touched. God opens people's hearts and they believe the news and the real and risen Jesus becomes real and present to them. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is at Cornelius' house with a Gentile crowd. In verse 38, he announces the news. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. 
how God anointed him with Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. That's like a new, that's a, that should be on a teleprompter somewhere. That's news. You guys know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Back to you, Jim. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We're witnesses of all these things that he did, both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him up on the third day and granted that he could become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. And all of the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. You heard Peter just do it. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus is coming again. That's what he just said. And he's speaking to this room of, of Gentile Romans, friends and family of a centurion and he's, tells, he's telling them the news. He's announcing the news. And it says in verse 44 that while Peter was still speaking, while Peter was still speaking, while he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the what? To the message. Peter is announcing the news. And while he's still speaking... The Spirit falls upon these people because they are listening to the news. They're listening to the message. Peter didn't know this was going to happen. He didn't come to the end of his sermon and go, could I have the worship team please come up? And Matt plays some nice strings on the, you know, so I start talking all dramatic and emotional and the strings are there. And, and we go, wow, God is in this place because there's contemporary music playing. There's no music, there's no altar call, there's no invitation. He's speaking the news, but God works something in these people's hearts. In the middle of his message, they're illuminated. They come to life, they get it. It's not because of Peter's eloquence or anything else. It's because he spoke the message and God worked within this gospel, which has power to open the eyes of the blind. And so that family opened up the curtains and saw the sun. And so what, what we are learning here, church, is that we just announce the message. It may be the first time someone hears it. It may be the 101st time that someone hears it. But God will open their eyes. God will work at just the right time in the circumstances so that this message, which seems like it wouldn't do the job, don't we need gifted speakers? Don't we need music? Don't we need strategies and little, you know, uh, good ways to say it just right and, and this and that? Those things are good, but you know what we need? We need to speak the message and let God open people's hearts. And that's what happened. While he was still speaking, these people got saved. So much so that Peter didn't know what to do. Whoa, whoa, hold on. That's, that's different. So while the people are listening... To you and I, God will open up their hearts. So friends, I think as we end this weekend, I think we have all the encouragement we need to have the world come and see. 
Well, that brings this message to a close. What did you think? Come on over to restitudio.org and leave your comments and feedback on episode 452. What is the gospel we preach? We'd love to hear from you. Also, this message came from last year's Kingdom Fest event, which we hold each year at my home church just north of Albany, New York, where people come in from all over New York and quite a few other states to celebrate and enjoy worship, Bible teachings, fellowship. We have an optional sport in the afternoon on Saturday, uh, lots of stuff for the kids, lots of food. This year, Kingdom Fest is September 23rd to the 25th, and that's at Living Hope Community Church. And so if you'd like to learn more about this event, we'd love to see you there in person. The information is at lhim.org. It stands for Living Hope International Ministries, lhim.org. And this year, our theme is Joyful in the Lord. Do you feel discouraged? Well, this can be a weekend to get encouraged and to recover your joy in the Lord. And uh, we don't want to be delusional. We know that the world has problems. We know that we have problems. But at the same time, there can still be in our hearts an enduring joy because of what God has done, because of what God is doing, because of what God will do one day when he heals our world from all of its problems. So I encourage you to come, uh, especially if you have never been before. I think this is a great event to meet people. I was just talking to a friend of mine, Preston, who came, didn't know anybody, and he came from Florida, and he ended up meeting Bill Schlegel at the event that year and moving to Tennessee as a result. So that was certainly an unforeseen circumstance there, and it worked out really well for him. So you never know who you're going to meet and what's going to happen. I can tell you this, that it's it's an exciting weekend, and it would be great to see you. Also, we have a full children's program on site that my wife runs, my wife Ruth. So if you'd like to meet her, if you have kids, that's all going to be taken care of. If you come solo or bring a whole family, either way, you'll have a great time. So I hope to see you there. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to support Restitutio, you can do that on our website. We'll see you next week. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.